0: Are listening to the Mystical City of God in a Year podcast. I'm Father Edward Looney, and throughout the year I'm reading and reflecting on the four volume, over 2,500 page work by the Venerable Maria of Agreda. If you would like to discuss today's readings, you can head on over to Facebook and there find the Mystical City of God in a Year podcast group page, and you'll be able to share your own thoughts and insights with others who are listening and following along. If you would like to support this free podcast, you can do so by sending a tip through Venmo to the handle Mystical City of God. Let us now thank God for the life of Venerable Maria of Agra. Almighty God, you will that all people know the saving power of Jesus' name. Throughout time, you have sent missionaries to your people who proclaim the good news. We thank you for sending Sor Maria to the Humano people and planting the seeds of the gospel in their heart and in our land. She taught them the good news and prepared them for baptism. Today is day number 349. We are reading from Volume 4, Book 8, Chapter 14, Paragraphs 642-650. to 650. Chapter 14. The wonderful manner in which the Most Blessed Mary celebrated the mysteries of the Incarnation and Nativity of the God-Man, and how she gave thanks for these immense blessings. 642. As the Most Holy Mary was so faithful in smaller things, there can be no doubt that she was faithful in the greater. If she was solicitous and diligent in giving thanks for the minor blessings, certainly she would render the full measure of thanks for the more important benefits conferred by the Most High upon her and the whole human race. Among these, the incarnation of the eternal word in the womb of the Most Blessed and Pure Mother takes the first place. For this was the most excellent work and the greatest grace possible, to God's infinite power and wisdom in his dealings with men. The joining of the divine essence with the human being in the person of the Word through hypostatic union was the beginning of all the gifts and blessings of the Omnipotent, conferred upon the human as well as upon the angelic nature. This truth is more intelligible when we take into consideration what faith teaches that the divine wisdom foresaw in eternity the ingratitude of the reprobate and their abuse and waste of the wonderful blessings of the incarnation of the true God, by which he became the teacher, redeemer, and model of all the mortals. 643. Hence the infinite wisdom marvelously provided that among men there should be someone who could compensate this injustice, and by worthy thanksgiving be the means of placating and satisfying him as far as is possible on the part of human nature." This was done in the first place by the sacred humanity of our Redeemer and Master, Jesus, who is our mediator with the Eternal Father, reconciling to him the whole human race, 1 Timothy 2.5, satisfying for its shortcomings and paying its debts by the superabundance of his merits. However, as the Lord was true God and man, human nature apparently remained a debtor to him unless someone, among mere creatures, could repay the Redeemer in as far as with the divine grace it was possible to man. This return was made by his own mother and our queen, since she alone was the secretary of the great council and the archive of his mysteries and sacraments. She was the only one who knew, weighed, and thankfully acknowledged it in the measure to be expected from a human being, not united personally with the divinity. She alone supplied a recompense for all the shortcomings and imperfections and for the total want of gratitude in the children of Adam. She alone knew how and was able to appease and satisfy her divine Son for the unjust behavior of all the mortals in not having received him as the Redeemer and Master, as the true God-made man for the salvation of all. 644. The incomprehensible and sacred mystery of the Incarnation the Great Queen kept so constantly present in her memory that she never forgot it, even for an instant. At the same time, she was ever conscious of the ignorance of this blessing in so many of the children of Adam. And in order to give thanks for it in her own name and in the name of all, she practiced many genuflections, prostrations, and other acts of adoration, repeating continuously in diverse variations the following prayer. My Lord and highest God, in the royal presence I prostrate myself and present myself before thee in my own name, and in that of the human race. I bless and magnify thee, I confess and adore thee in the mystery of the hypostatic union of the human and divine nature of the eternal word. If the unfortunate children of Adam are ignorant of this blessing, and if those that know of it fail in giving worthy thanks for it, remember, our kindest Lord and Father, that they live in the weak flesh, so full of darkness and passions, and that they cannot come to thee if thou, in thy loving condescension, dost not draw them on. John 6:44. Pardon my God the shortcomings of their weak nature and condition. I, thy slave and vile wormlet of the earth, with all the courtiers of thy glory, give thee thanks for myself and for each one of the mortals in acknowledgment of this blessing. And I beseech thee, O my Son and Lord, from the bottom of my soul, to take up this cause of thy brethren, and obtain for them the forgiveness of thy eternal Father. Favor with thy immense clemency those unfortunates conceived in sin, who do not recognize their own misfortune, and do not know what they are doing, nor what they should do, I beg for thy people and for thy own. For as far as thou art man, we are all of thy nature, which do not thou despise. And in as far as thou art God, thou give us infinite value to thy works. Let them be the worthy return and thanksgiving for satisfying our debt, since thou alone canst pay what we have received and what we owe to the Eternal Father for sending thee from heaven to earth as the Savior of the poor and the rescuer of captives." Luke 4.18, Give life to the dead, enrich the poor, enlighten the blind. Matthew 11.15, Thou art our salvation, our happiness, and our restoration. 6.45, This prayer and others like it were of ordinary occurrence in the life of the great Queen of the world. But to her continuous and daily thanksgiving, she added other exercises to celebrate the exalted mystery of the Incarnation especially on the anniversary of the days in which the Divine Word assumed flesh in her purest womb. And on these days she was more favored by the Lord than on others. This feast for her lasted not only for one day, but for nine, comprising the nine days before the Feast of the Annunciation or the 25th of March, during which she prepared herself for this sacrament as described in the beginning of the second part of this history. I have there recorded in nine chapters the marvels which preceded the Incarnation, and by which the Heavenly Mother was to be worthily prepared for the conception of the Incarnate Word in her sacred and virginal womb. It is necessary here to refer to them, and recall them briefly, in order to describe the manner in which she celebrated and renewed her thanksgiving for this highest of marvels and blessings. 646. She commenced the solemnity of the 16th of March in the evening, and during the next nine days until the 25th of March she remained in retirement without eating or sleeping. St. John the Evangelist was the only one who came to her, and only in order to minister to her Holy Communion during the nine days. The Almighty renewed all the favors and blessings which he had conferred upon Mary during those days immediately preceding the Incarnation. With this difference, however, that her Son and our Redeemer now added new ones, for as he was already born of her, he took it upon himself to assist, regale, and favor his most loving and worthy mother in this feast." On the first six days of this novena, after the Blessed Mother had passed some hours of the night in her accustomed exercises, the Incarnate Word descended from heaven, refulgent in glory and majesty, and accompanied by myriads of angels, and with them he entered the oratory and showed himself to his Most Blessed Mother. 6.47 The Most Pious and Prudent Mother adored her Son and true God with the humility, veneration, and worship such as she alone in her wisdom knew how to render. Then, by the ministry of the holy angels, she was raised from the earth and placed on the throne at the right hand of her Son, the Lord. There she felt within herself an intimate and ineffable union with the humanity and divinity, by which she was transformed and filled with glory and new divine influences unspeakable to man. In this condition and state the Lord renewed in her the marvels of the nine days before the Incarnation, in order in which they had then occurred, And to these he added other favors and admirable effects conformable to the state attained since then both by himself and his Blessed Mother. Although the habitual science of all things was already preserved in her, yet on such occasions her knowledge was enhanced by a new intelligence and divine light, which enabled her to apply and exercise her knowledge with greater insight and with more powerful effect. 648. On the first of these nine days were shown her all the works performed by God on the first day of the creation of the world, the order and mode of their creation, the heaven and the earth, and the abysses with their length, breadth, and depth, the light and darkness, their separation, and all the conditions, changes, and qualities of these material and visible things. Of the invisible things she saw the creation of the angels, all their species and perfections, their perseverance in grace, the strife between the obedient and the disobedient, the fall of the apostates and the confirmation of the others in grace, and all the other mysteries which Moses includes in the works of the first day. Genesis one. She recognized likewise the intentions of the Almighty in the creation of these and other things, namely to communicate and to manifest His divinity, so that all these angels and men, according to their faculties, might know and praise Him in them. Unless the renewal of this knowledge be fruitless in the most prudent mother, her divine son said to her, My mother and my dove, I gave thee knowledge of all these works of my infinite power, in order to manifest to thee my greatness before assuming flesh in thy virginal womb. And I renew it in thee now, in order to confirm in thee thy possession and dominion over the angels, the heavens, the earth, the light, and the darkness, all of which shall serve and obey thee as my mother. And in order to afford thee an occasion worthily to thank, and praised the Eternal Father for the blessings of creation, which men do not know how to appreciate. 6.49 The great queen faithfully responded to this will of the Lord, and satisfied for the indebtedness of mankind in its entirety, giving thanks in her own name and in that of all men for these incomparable blessings. In these exercises, and in other mysterious ones, she passed the day until the Lord returned to heaven. On the second day at midnight the Lord again descended in the same manner, and recalled in the Heavenly Mother the knowledge of the works of the second day of creation, how in the midst of the waters was formed the firmament dividing the one from the other, the number of the heavens, their harmonious arrangement, nature and qualities, their greatness and beauty. All this she knew with infallible certainty, just as they came into being without admixture of mere opinions. She knew also... What were the views of the learned and of authors? On the third day was refreshing in her the knowledge of what is indicated in the scriptures for the third day of creation that the Lord congregated the waters upon the earth and formed the sea and the dry land, and how the dry land upon the command of its creator immediately produced plants, herbs, trees, and other things for its beauty and adornment. She knew the nature and qualities of all these plants and the manner in which they are useful or hurtful to man." On the fourth day, she recognized particularly the formation of the sun, the moon, and the stars of heaven, their material, their form, properties, influences, and all their movements, dividing the time into seasons, days, and years. Genesis one fourteen. On the fifth day was manifested to her the creation and the generation of the birds of the air, of the fishes of the sea, how in the beginning they were formed of the waters, and how these animals afterwards were reproduced and propagated. How many were the species the conditions and faculties of the animals of the land and the sea. On the sixth day she received new enlightenment and insight into the creation of man and the terminus of all the material creatures, and an understanding of exquisite and harmonious nature as a recapitulation of all the rest of the world to the creatures. She comprehended also the mystery of the Incarnation, which was the end and purpose of his creation, and she possessed the other secrets of the divine wisdom hidden in this and the other works testifying to his infinite greatness and majesty. 6.50 On each of these days the great queen composed a special hymn of praise to the Creator, for the works performed in the corresponding day of creation, for the mysteries made known to her. Then she prayed for all men, especially for the faithful, asking for their reconciliation to God and their enlightenment concerning the divinity and his works, in order that they might thereby be helped to know, love, and praise the Almighty. And as she was aware of the ignorance of so many unbelievers who had not come to the knowledge and belief of the true faith, and as she considered the ingratitude and sluggishness of so many believers who knew of these works of the Most High, the Most Blessed Mother performed heroic and admirable works in compensation for these defects of the children of Adam. Because she so faithfully responded, her Divine Son raised her to a new participation in the gifts of His divinity and attributes accumulating upon her all that the rest of mortals lost by their most ungrateful forgetfulness. Over all the works of that day, he confirmed upon her a new full possession and dominion, in order that all might acknowledge her and serve her as the mother of their creator, as the supreme queen over all the creatures in heaven and on earth. This concludes our reading today for day number 349. We've been reading from volume 4, book 8, chapter 14, paragraphs 642 to 650. Our first part of our reading today dealt with the celebration of Mary regarding the incarnation of the Lord. And then the second will deal with the nativity of the God-man. So notice the distinction with these two words. The incarnation is God becoming man in the womb of Mary. So that's the annunciation. So what we heard today was Mary's celebration of March 25th. So we should be hearing tomorrow uh, about how she celebrated the nativity and how fitting that we're just a few days before Christmas and to see how Mary would have celebrated Christmas. I'm very much looking forward to tomorrow's reading, but one of the ways that she prepared was that she prayed for us. She prayed that we might be grateful for the gift of the incarnation. She asked God to pardon the shortcomings of our weak nature and condition. And so Mary always has in view others. She always has in view all of us already praying for us back when she was still on this earth, and we know that she is still praying for us from her place before the throne of God. One of the things we heard about her celebrations of the incarnation was this nine-day novena, and the first days of the novena focused on the creation of the world. Now, for people who are naturalists, for people who love uh, you know, plant-based things, I think you might delight in this. She knew the nature and qualities of all these plants and the manner in which they are useful or hurtful to man. So Mary knows the herbs. She knows all of these things, just as some people today know how to make use of these plants for medicinal purposes and for healing. And finally, in our reading today, in paragraph 650, it begins saying, On each of these days, the great queen composed a special hymn of praise to the creator for the works performed on the corresponding day of creation, for the mysteries made known to her. And that's a phrase that we've heard quite a bit over the last four volumes, Mary composing hymns of thankfulness and praise. And I just thought to myself, it would be so beautiful if we would have had the hymn book of Our Lady, all of these hymns that she wrote, all of these songs of praise of God for creation and for the incarnation, for the life of Jesus. But alas, to my knowledge, we don't have that. But what a gift that would have been to be able to sing those words that she herself sang. But for us, we can do that every time we pray the Magnificat. When we say, My soul proclaims the greatness of the Lord,